Here we are again. The nights are drawing in. The clocks are going back. But we are still going forward here at Talk Radio TV because it's time for Plank of the Week. Welcome to our wonderful studios here uh, at News UK in uh, the great part of London, uh, where it's very dark earlier on today, but I'm pleased to say uh, we've got beams of light shining into the studio because for the first time ever on Plank of the Week, we've got a new guest, and it's Laura Dodsworth. Laura, welcome to Plank Hello. of the Week. Hello, bringing the light. Bringing the light, yeah. bringing the light, shining the light into the darkness of the grim nastiness that is out there that is being spread by politicians. Russell Quirk is also here, not to diminish you in any way, Russell, but <laughs> no. you've been here a lot. I'll just sit in the corner. I mean, you are, I think, the most Let's popular illuminate. male guest, actually. Really? I think you've been here Ooh, more than anybody else. I? OK, well, I'll take that. I think that's true, even though we don't really count at the beginning of this year, because during lockdown we only had the same two people, so we'll, 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 we'll gloss over that. But anyway, Laura, since you are uh, our first proper guest that we haven't had before, I think we should give you the honour of starting us off. Okay. Not good, because I like you're that. a lady, because we don't do ladies first here. Do we not? No. What about bringing? Also, Russell might be offended. I'd be offended by that. Also, I don't want to assume you're not your in the, You're not in the right place. I don't okay. want to assume you, your gender. You can, well, why don't you just light bringer? I liked that. That light was a good. I'll have light bringer. Light, light bringer, bringer first. Good. How yes. about that? I like that a lot. All right, I'll so, go first. Yeah. All right. So my first plank is not one person. It's the whole nudge unit. Oh yes. Now, for those who don't know what the nudge unit is. Um, the Nudge Unit is a team of behavioural scientists which was set up under the Cameron uh, government right. um, within Downing Street. It's, uh, it's a team of behavioural scientists set up entirely at the taxpayers' expense, but it's now a limited company, although it's a third owned by the Cabinet Office. Uh -huh. And so what they do in the background is work out little sneaky behavioural science plans to make us conform with tricky public policies. Yes. And so... I'm nominating them as Plank of the Week for two of their sneaky little plans. The first is the rush towards net zero, yeah. and the second one is saving Christmas. So, can I expand upon Please this? Please do. All right. So, with net zero, um, the Prime Minister recently said that we're going to reach net zero without so much as a hair shirt in sight. But I don't think the behavioural scientists knew about this plan. Or if they're talking to each other, there's, some, uh, there's a little lack of truth going on. Yes. Because they published a plan, which was then unpublished within hours, which you might call a plan of hair shirts. Right. Yes. There's a so, lot of plans around, aren't there? There's a lot there's of a plans. There's a plan A, there's a plan B, there's a hair shirt plan. Yeah. How many other plans are there? And what there? was the gist of this plan that okay. they published and unpublished? Well, the gist of it is that we're going to need meat taxes, um, taxes on frequent flying, introducing plant-based food in schools, prisons, government buildings and hospitals. This is all part of ripping every boiler out of every home in Britain by 2035. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, they're not talking about the actual mechanics of what happened, but the behavioural science, how we're going to be persuaded to, um, to go along. Well, it all does sound a bit kind of Beijing Politburo, this, yeah. doesn't it? And it's interesting you use the word conform because the report talks about our powerful tendency to conform. So that is what they think Powerful of tendency. We this have is a, a new thing, right? Because I bet we conform. didn't have a powerful tendency to conform before COVID. No. Well, and the Did other... we? I hope not. I hope we haven't now, but yeah. I mean, well, I, mean is, I haven't got the powerful sense this is sounding, at all. This is sounding all very sinister, yeah. though, isn't it? Well, you know that I've interviewed some of the behavioural scientists mm. on Spy B for my yes. book, State of Fear, and you see one of them told me that actually the British public has proved itself very biddable. Mm. And another government advisor told me there is skipping in Whitehalls about how quickly certain plans are being advanced. So I do think they see us as very conformist yeah. and the use of fear is part of how they get us mm. to conform. I mean, at, at very best, 
I think of behavioural science as quite paternalistic, and that's yeah. what this report really showed. I think it's quite funny that they unpublished it as well. They don't really seem to realise there's this thing called internet archives. Yes. You know, you can go onto the Wayback Machine, and I'd invite everyone to do so. Mm. Go onto the Wayback Machine, and you can pull up the report and you can read it. Right, even it's though they've removed it's it. When... Once it's there, they can't be taken away, can it? I, it's it's just... like one of those tweets that they go, oh, I've deleted, deleted. it. Deleted. No, oh, here it is. Everyone screen grab it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So the Wayback Machine does that. Wow. You know, it's I've quite... heard of a Maybach, which is a very expensive but, kind of Mercedes. But is this something, therefore, that was published by the Nudge Unit and then a politician with half a brain, half a brain, has said, no, 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 this is, this is way too out there, way too sinister, way too uber-compliant and conformist, and therefore that's why it was pulled back and unpublished? Well, is there a filter at last? Which means actually some of our politicians might so stop some of this Beijing-like uh, diktat from actually seeing the light of day in future? I think there's different interpretations. One could be that Boris Johnson know knows there's lots of hair shirts involved and they're talking to the behavioural scientists about how to make us put on said hair shirts. And they don't want us to know about that yet, so they've unpublished the report. The other one is the Nudge Unit are quite likely to be climate zealots. They're... they're that sort of Well, they all are, person. aren't they? I mean, all of these sort of middle-class, work-from-home, champagne socialists, as I call them, all on six-figure salaries, all having very nice lives, thank you very much indeed, they all think the same way. Mm -hmm. It's almost as though they've been indoctrinated at university to believe in the European Union and how great it is, yeah. to believe in climate, climate change, yeah. to be worried about COVID. I mean, it's a very odd place to be, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. And the other interpretation is the left hand doesn't know what the right hand's doing. That's, uh, that's, that's always, definitely going to be true, isn't that's it? That's always a possibility. I've always believed, actually, that it's less to do with the conspiracy and more to do with, uh, you know, their inability to actually organise uh, practically anything. Yeah. You know, which was my same... The same rule pretty much applies for most things mm. throughout history. You know, when they said that Saddam Hussein had weapons of mass destruction, I was like, they can't even make a car in Iraq. <laughs> you know, I really don't think they've got weapons of mass destruction. Yeah. And so it proved. If they have, they're not going to be able to launch them. No. <laughs> No, it's really wheels. <laughs> yeah. But this, this nudge unit thing, isn't it born of Cummings? And I thought, very naively, clearly, that Cummings having been kind of pushed out means that the nudge unit was no more. Clearly not. Oh, gosh. Sounds no. like it's now kind of running rampant, doing its own thing out of control. I don't think it's necessarily out of control. It's very firmly embedded in Number 10, um, but it is a private how does, limited how does company. How it work that it's a private limited company that's part owned by the Cabinet? I don't understand how that would work sort of commercially. It's interesting, isn't it? I can't tell you exactly how that works either. It's a third owned by government, a third by Nesta, and a third by the directors uh. of the company, uh, including David Halpern, the co-founder of the unit. Right. I mean, I think that's interesting in itself. Yeah. It's set up at taxpayers' well, expense. Well, I, mean, I discovered NHS, um, the NHS Confederation the other week because they were the ones that came out and said that we should be going to plan B, uh, that we should definitely be, you know, wearing masks and working from home and social distancing. And I looked into this organisation and they are both a privately uh, listed company at Companies House and a charity, right? Mm. Made up of people who are not medical at all. The head, uh, chief, chief executive of it is a former Tony Blair um, associate and former councillor, uh, was an advisor to the Blair government called Matthew Taylor, I think his name is, on 250000 a year. They've got a budget of £15 million, and their job appears to be to procure money mm. for the NHS from the government. Mm. Mm. And you think, 
Shouldn't the Secretary of State be doing This that? is a bit weird. You know, I think there's a lot of this going on, sort of private-public partnership type stuff. Yeah. yeah, and it doesn't... Then you have less transparency as well because, yeah. you know, they, they, the Behavioural Insights team don't publish their minutes, right. which at least Spy B did, who are mm. behavioural scientists. No, there's a, the Nudge Unit hasn't gone with Cummings. There are actually behavioural scientists in every government department, in the HSA, in DEFRA, in the NHS, in Public Health England. They're everywhere, constantly planning how to mould us into ideal citizens. And the other thing they're doing now is trying to get behind saving Christmas again. I mean, as soon as I heard that Michael Gove had been jokingly referred to as the Minister for Christmas, I was like, oh no, please I don't know. pull that one out no. of the bag again. Well, this will take us all to a nightclub and we'll have a good time one night. I suppose. Yeah, but except on your own. <laughs> You're not allowed to go with anyone. That's the problem. Right, so that's a very good first one, I think. Uh, well done. Russell, who's your first Yeah, one? so my first one is the Art Institute of Chicago. Oh, yeah. Um, which you might... I don't think that's ever been mentioned before. No, no, not, not. probably not in public at all. Um, but you, you would think it sounds like a kind of fairly normal, sensible kind of cultural organisation. Um, but it turns out that they, um, uh, they've they decided to hire some woke consultants, a mob called the Equity Project, uh, to make sure that they were woke enough, I guess, just to make sure that their wokeism was kind of, you know, correct on the scale of woke. Um, and what the, um, the consultants themselves decided after a, a brief kind of look at the business and uh, their volunteers in particular, so you imagine these volunteers that show people around these art galleries and obviously do the whole art history bit. Yes. Point out what's what and so on. Quite um, useful people, actually. Well, yes, and all volunteers, right? Yeah. So you would imagine that the Art Institute of Chicago would be quite grateful of them. Um, but no, they fired them. <laughs> wow. They fired 150 no. of them. 150 of them. Why? Because they're white. They're white. They're white. So the Equity Project, super woke, have said that, look, you as an institute, you're not anywhere near diverse enough. All, inverted commas, or the vast majority of your volunteers are white. Therefore, you've got to get rid of them all and start rehiring. Well, you can't hire volunteers if they haven't volunteered. Well, you can kick the volunteers out the door, I suppose, take their passes away, which is seemingly what's happened here, um, and then go on a recruitment drive to ensure, inverted commas, that the new volunteers that come through the door are, to some woke degree, uh, categorised by demographic in terms of their race big inverted commas again, correctly. And that's mm. exactly what the Art Institute of Chicago have just done. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. astonishing. That is absolutely astonishing. That's a real kick in the teeth for the volunteers. Mm. It really is. I mean, I, I can understand uh, companies wanting their workforces to be representative, to give minorities a leg up, but volunteers... But what, what's even worse, apparently, the majority of those volunteers were middle-class, wealthy white women. Yeah. Now... It wasn't that long ago where we were all supposed to be, and were, standing up for women's rights. Well, no, no, no. That's now, it seems, been shelved, uh, you know, against a backdrop of, of ethnicity. Yes. So, um, so women are out, ethnics are in. Well, maybe they don't like them so much because they're wealthy rather than because they're actually It could women. well be that. It could well it be, could that, well as be well. that so. It is absolutely amazing the way <laughs> things have gone, isn't it, where you just think to yourself, you know, I wonder about my own kids, you know, getting jobs because, you know, they're reasonably well-educated, they'll come from a reasonably good background, yeah. and they're white, and you'll go... What chance have they got? Yeah, but it's a slippery slope, isn't it? You know, we've heard stories fairly recently, you know, in the wake of what's happening with statues and mm. so on. That Was it the British Library, I think, a few months ago, said that they were going to go around and start taking books out that yeah. were perhaps culturally incorrect now and, uh, you know, were, were written by or positively about slavery and so mm. on. So, you know, what, what we're seeing here is, is not just history being airbrushed, but, but society and culture now effectively being airbrushed because of an extreme wokeism that insists that we, we should have everything 
correctly. The problem is it's correcting their view, uh, and of course they always they, they always tend to be this vocal minority, don't they? You know the types that refer uh, to you know on, on social media and uh, are very very prevalent in that respect. Um, but yeah, look, we're sleeping in sleepwalking into something very very sinister. Yes, and because worrying. how can you Indeed. correct something by omitting to mention it? Mm. You know. Like by taking it out as if it never happened, that's mm. hardly correct. Well, by definition, it's not equality, is it? You're firing people. But it, do but it doesn't even make sense, because they could have um, tried to attract more volunteers. Mm. Why get rid of the ones they already had? Where's the gratitude towards Because somebody them somewhere volunteers? wants to make a statement. Well, they want to do it fast. Yeah. They want to do it fast. They want to show what they're right. doing. Yeah, yeah. That's we want to do this immediately. there's no point in virtue signaling if nobody knows you've done it. So yeah. you have to do it. You yeah. have to Make show a big statement. you've done something. Yeah. And of course, these consultants, like this mob here, the Equity Project, they can hide behind the banner of the Institute itself, can't they? Yeah. So it's not the Equity Project's fault. No. It's not their doing it. It's the Art Institute of Chicago. Absolutely. Apparently. Well, I'm going to take it way down market, I'm afraid, from uh, the Nudge <laughs> Unit and the Art Institute of Chicago. I'll go oh, with that's the so highbrow, aren't we, Russell? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're turning into the South Bank show. That was going to be sophisticated Paul Scholes, yes. former oh. Manchester United footballer. I mean, it's bad enough week to be oh. a Manchester United fan. You're taking it very slaughtered low. Slaughtered 5-0 by Liverpool. Liverpool yeah. Paul Scholes has been teased on social media. Now, I know you've only just watched it. Um, oh, I have. Possibly one of the most disturbing videos I think I've ever seen. Mm. And it's Paul Scholes being filmed by his daughter, nibbling on her toenails. It's, it's strange. We, we don't think it was a joke. I mean, so the questions I have is, yeah, why? And why on earth, more to the point, was she filming it and then publishing it? No. And then publishing I, it and putting mm, true love. Yeah. No, a joke doesn't count. I'm sorry. That it can't be a joke, can it? This, no. is, this is the kind of news that passes me by, OK? I, I, didn't, I didn't see this. I only looked today and I thought, well, I better watch this. And I really wish I hadn't. I, it was a little... Just a little bit odd, wasn't it? It's if I think about my dad doing that, yeah. it makes me feel really peculiar. We're yes. doing it to my children. Yeah. It was really And strange. also, I know that this shouldn't matter, but it kind of matters as well that a lot of the other pictures on her Instagram page are of her, you know, in various states of undress. I mean, she's quite... I mean, I think she's a, a professional netball player or something like that. Um, but she's quite, How old is she, do we know? She's 20. Right, OK. Right? Um, she's not a kid. She's not a child. Hmm. I mean, you wouldn't do that to somebody else's 20-year-old. Do you know right. what I mean? I mean, all I could think about was that scene from um, Pulp Fiction when they talk about the foot massage. You know, because oh. apparently he was giving her a foot massage. <laughs> right. Where they go, a foot massage? You know, and they go, well, how bad is that? And you talk about giving people a foot massage and you start to think, well, actually, it could be quite sort yeah. of intimate, that. Yeah. I mean, I have a lovely memory of some toe sucking. I don't, Do I'm, I've brought it right down from the highbrow now, right. haven't I? Was that before or after the Duchess of York got caught doing it? Oh. Probably after, right? And, and please stop right Sorry, there if this I'm involves members of your family. No, no, but this is this is my point. There were no <laughs> members of family involved. That's good. And so it's I, good I see that video, I'm like, oh, no, I, I, I can't, I just can't. <laughs> it's just it's, not right It's now an image that that's in your head, family. you can't get it out. Well, now, whenever you see Paul Scholes, because yeah. he does quite a lot of punditry on TV, because you know, he was quite a good football player for England, played for Manchester United. I'm not sure if he's a manager. He was for a while, wasn't he? Um but now, whenever you see him on TV, that's all you're going to see is oh. him sucking on his, well, you know, his if daughter's Christmas, toes. If Christmas isn't cancelled, they need some toenail clippers for Christmas. They in certainly that house. do. Well, this was one of the great. One of the things that Twitter's brilliant for is the way that people put out the sorts of ridiculous memes and, and little, you know, vignettes. Their responses of yeah, things yeah. happening. There was a guy biting something. There was, you know, a guy running down the road naked. <laughs> people were making all sorts of horrendously libelous allegations about their relationship, which I'm not going to repeat. But just don't do it, Paul. I mean, come on. Just don't do it. 
No. And it's funny because, you know, I teach my children, and I, I bet you've been the same, that anything you put on social media is going to be there forever. That You know, the nudge unit needs to know this as well. You can't just put something up, yep. unpublish it, and think it's gone away forever. That isn't how it works. So, no, that doesn't just live in my head forever. Thank you, Paul Scholes. Yep. But it, it will live it, on live the internet for forever. And, and he, You've got to think about these things. Do you know, for the first time, I had to fill out one of those Esther forms to go to America, you know, the, um, mm. you know, the, the, the visa thing. The visa yeah. thing, the visa waiver form. And the last time I ignored it because it wasn't required, this time it was required, your social media profile. Well, they want your handles, mm -hmm. really, yeah. so they can check what you've been saying. I don't know, Presumably. but I've been approved, so I've got no That's problem. surprising. Um, <laughs> really? So the bar's not, I only gave not them, too high? Well, I only gave them my Facebook, though. All right, not no. your Twitter. So stop, your YouTube. stop it. <laughs> yeah. No, it didn't do any of that. How but anyway, strange. But isn't that weird that that's now a requirement? Oh, I don't know. Unless like you that. don't have one, of course, but you have to then take the chance of whether you say, I don't have one, and you do have one, or you just don't have one. Well, their intelligence services should be able to work that out if they're that desperate to know. Well, you would if you're think. On Twitter. Well, I suggest that might be extended to our police force, actually, when it comes to their vetting. Although they know when you've written a nice, not a nasty tweet about someone, they just don't know how to arrest you for mm. doing anything else. Mm. No, anyway. checking out their own force members. Well, they? exactly, and that's mm. keeping them busy. Um, who's your second nominee, please? Well, my second one is uh, Jacinda Ardern. Ah, so yes. She was questioned recently. She's an old favourite. Yeah. Has she been, has she been here before? <laughs> she on has, Bank actually, of the week? yeah, particularly okay. when she told everyone not to talk to their neighbours which she did a few weeks back. Yeah, that was a low moment, but we've oh, got another one now. Yeah, go on. I think we've got a worse one. Have we? So she was asked recently about the country's plans to change from um, elimination strategy to rolling out the vaccine, you know, because it's all changed in New Zealand. And the interviewer put it to her that they're creating two classes of people, oh, yeah. the vaccinated and the unvaccinated, and there will be more rights for the vaccinated. And the interviewer's like, oh, but, you know, you probably don't see it that way. And then she's got a hand off. She goes, yep. That is the way it is. Yep, that's, that's how, how we see it. See it. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, I saw it. it she's also been in astonishing. here. She's also been in here before for making the ludicrous statement which she which she did about several months ago, saying basically that any information that didn't come from the government about COVID was not trustworthy information, wow. and the only place you could get information about COVID is from the government. Yeah. Mm. And you go, oh really? Another person that's clearly been reading too much Chinese politics. Yeah. Um, so this is a woman that seems to be proud that she's creating an effect. Yeah. Uh, an apartheid. A, a two-tier apartheid within New Zealand. Yeah. Well, she, get, she gave two reasons. One is to increase vaccine uptake, which is the reason that's being touted kind of quite honestly around the world now. It's, it's a tool to coerce people into something they may or may not want to do. Mm. And the other reason was that it was to give confidence. Now, this is the reason that actually really creeped me out because the, the madness of the lie that vaccine passports would create confidence uh, or provide safety is, is the lie that underpins the biosecurity state and I think it's quite scary. Mm. It's more scary even than the segregation. So they're going to be changing to a traffic light system and when it's red, okay, that means that people who are unvaccinated will have all these restrictions on them. So you won't be able to go to university, mm -hmm. you won't be able to use close contact businesses which are gyms, restaurants, there's probably others and people won't be able to even meet privately in groups of more than 10. Goodness so me. these are huge And this includes changes. people presumably who can't have a vaccination rather than those who've just said, I don't want one. I'm not sure if they're going to allow medical exemptions, but the thing is um, exemptions haven't really been very popular wherever vaccine passports are rolled out. Uh, rolled out. So yeah. for instance, you know, there don't seem to be any uh, religious exemptions, right. which there would have been just, you know, in the pre-pandemic right. era, there would have been religious exemptions Definitely. for vaccines. 
So there's been lots of opposition in New Zealand, but not for the same reason as mm. me. Um, people are saying it holds the vaccinated to ransom because they're not even going to move to this system until 90% in each region are vaccinated. Mm. So it's almost like the opposition is we need to just, yes. we need to go harder, we need to go faster. for a long time in that faster. part of the world, they didn't actually have the vaccination rates that we had because I was told by Helen Dale... Um, that in Australia there's quite a lot of reticence about vaccinations in general, mm. not amongst people that you would normally sort of regard as anti-vaxxers, but, but, but by quite a lot of middle-class educated people who yeah. don't for some reason in Australia like getting vaccines. But there's yeah. also from a government in that country that for months and months and months was uh, purporting to support the principle of zero COVID, which mm. is a really scary and dumb approach to take. Well, they on did the basis get zero COVID for a while, didn't they? And then they got one case and locked down the entire it's country. it's never going to be sustained. Go, it's never going to be sustained. No. It's, a, it's, a, it's a ludicrous endeavour. A it ludicrous endeavour. I mean, I feel bad, though, because, you know, I always wanted to kind of... I know some people from Australia and New Zealand and have good friends who've come from there and I've always wanted to go, but now I kind of don't want it. No. I don't, I don't want to waste yeah. my time going there. Not that any of us will be allowed to for many years. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Especially not if they check your social media profile and she sees she's been Plank of the Week. Yes. But, um, she never it, won it yet, though. It was, it was scary. <laughs> this push towards the biosecurity state, the segregation, but more than that, the clip is weird. Mm. She's like rubbing her hands. She's literally mm. rubbing her hands. All the body language is kind of off and she seems really proud about mm. it. And she's talking about doing this to her own country yeah. with glee. So she's my second plank I think of the this week. is the trouble with a lot of leaders. Nicola Sturgeon has that same kind of glint in her eye. They really mm. quite enjoy being in charge of everyone. They yeah. think they are. Mm. Yeah. Because people have allowed them to think that. Mm. Whatever Whereas in the... England, I don't get the sense that Boris Johnson feels like he is in charge because I think he's never been in charge no, of anything. No, he's definitely not in charge, he is he? That's the problem Yeah, Boris that's Johnson. right. Yeah. But he doesn't, at least whatever you may say about him, um, he doesn't have that it's not zealous, no. it's kind of zealous look, you know, yeah. that no. these guys have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He looks more like somebody's chained a puppy to the radiator in the basement yeah. and he doesn't actually want to give this. Like it's no, a forced hostage right. speech. Right. Whereas uh, Jacinda looks like the one who's actually holding everyone hostage. Right. She's yeah. She just seems to be enjoying it. Oh, too she does. Much. Yeah, very, very Bond villain. Very much so. Yeah. Very much so. Whereas Biden has got this other thing where we notice this thing that he does where he leans forward and whispers and sort of stares. <laughs> Telling you this because it's important. And the world and the world the world elects these. You look people. a bit mad. Mm. I mean hmm. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Who's your second one? Talking to Boris Johnson. It's Boris Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, but not for being a zealot. Segway. No, no, no. Uh, for a couple of reasons, really. So first of all, given that recycling forms a central plank to this government's 
environmental policy, really. You yeah. know, we've, we've, been, we've been taught by not just this government, but successive governments, how important recycling is, and local authorities. I remember when I was on the council, you know, the magic 40% number, super important, make sure that you're recycling and so on. Um, so we all accept and understand and agree that recycling is quite important. Except Boris Johnson, well, it seems. Well, you say that we all do, but actually I've never accepted recycling is well, important. Well, it's kind of a no, thing, but isn't it? it's a thing, yeah. Generally. But I've never believed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but generally, I've, I've never thought so, that anything ever came good from it. Yeah, because yeah. I never believed that all the stuff that we put in recycling bins actually was recycled. Oh, no, no I, I agree. They there's, bury there's, most of it. They burn some yeah, of it. Yeah, they send they it out on boats off, and it ends up in the Maldives. To China. Yeah, yeah, some yeah. of it gets dumped in the sea. Yeah, yeah. And look, no, no doubt, you know, Laura's nudge unit has had a, a lot to do over the many, uh, many, many years uh, whereby it's been promoted to be something that we should all be doing. Um, but the fact is, you would imagine, as the Prime Minister, as the head of the government, that at least has that as part of their cornerstone in terms of their environmental policy, that he would kind of go with the programme. Um, until this week, he went to do a school visit. Obviously, he's always in electioneering mode, isn't he, Boris Johnson? Um, and we talking about recycling and basically said to this room full of school kids, it doesn't work. Yes. Now, he called it, it a red herring. It might it? be true, right? Yeah. It might be one of those things that, you know, we've all been doing, and as you rightly say, it's a little bit academic. It's one of those things that doesn't really solve the problem. The mm. problem is plastic, so we shouldn't be using plastic in the first place, of course. I wish you'd tell the people who keep making those plastic masks, <laughs> yes. instead of telling us to wear plastic but, masks. But, but, but the point being, the, the, mixed message, signal going on here. the message that Boris has now sent out to the world, of course, don't recycle. <laughs> Don't yeah. worry about it. Right. <laughs> don't well, worry. I think I think I think Boris's general mantra about everything is don't worry about it. Yeah, but he's at really odds. Fine. He's at odds with his own government. Yeah. Again. I know. <laughs> but then he'll you know, pretend he never said it. He yeah, also yeah. did he not also tell these kids that we should be thinking about feeding people to animals? By what? way of yeah. He was kind of trying to make a joke about how we should be less dependent on meats because all, all part of his new sort of Zach Goldsmith, you know, yeah, Carrie yeah. Simmons. His road newfound to Damascus David conversion. You know, he's now David greener Cameron. than David Attenborough, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he can afford to be, although he keeps telling us he's got any money. Mm. Um, yeah, he was saying that, you know, we should all move to more, you know, plant-based foods, you know, because it's better for the, for the country, better for the environment, better for the planet. Yeah. And he said, and he made some quip, I haven't seen him actually say it in, in his own words, but some quip about, you know, maybe we should start feeding the people to the animals instead of the other way around. Wow. Okay, this is the Prime Minister of Great Britain, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I was going to reference the fact that he. Imagine if he'd said that on Twitter. Imagine what they'd have done with that. Yeah, no, I was going to reference the I, fact that he's, lots of people on Twitter would have liked it. He's green and environmental, but yet reports in newspapers over the last few days seem to be um, chastising him for his use of private jets and the fact that he dumped mm. about twenty-one tons of carbon into the atmosphere within a few days <laughs> of the G7 and using his mate's jet. I think it's the guy from JCB, isn't it? The Bamford family. Oh yes. So he's used copious amounts of private jets. Has it got a digger on? The front of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but isn't, isn't this the same really? But that's okay. So then you can stand up and say, look, we've all got a very that's, good environment. But that's the Emma Thompson defence, isn't it? Yeah. But look, I know that it seems incongruous that yeah. here I am flying in to complain yeah, but about But if I don't fly, fly around the world like this but, telling you know, everybody, it's never going to change I have it. a voice and so therefore I must use yeah, it. Yeah. But this, this is the same thing as saying that um, recycling is a red herring, even though we all have to sort our stuff into all these different bins. And by the way, I, I'd like well. to think that recycling works. It's, it's kind of an aspect of environmentalism I can really get behind, I think. Thought. Well, if, it, if it's, it's actually it's recycled, it's one rule for me, one rule for thee, and yes. it's and it's always the, it's always the same, isn't but also, it? Also, everywhere you go, it's different, right? In London, jets. where I live, they came around with one of those little red boxes a couple of years ago, which is supposed to put your food waste in. And I'm going really, yeah, for a week. So I'm going to put food waste <laughs> under my sink. Yeah. I lived in New York, right? I'm not doing that because if you do that, you'll have cockroaches within a you know nanosecond, if not rats, mice, and all sorts of other things. Mm. And I'm certainly not going to do it in the country uh, because that's where the foxes will come. And the rats and everything else, you know. So I'm not collecting food for you. Sorry, not doing it. 
But then they've got a recycling place where you can put everything. So you can put cardboard, paper, bottles, cans, anything you like, in this big thing. Now, you're not going to tell me that they actually take that and separate it out. They don't, mm. right? So they're not recycling the glass. They can't be, unless they've got paying somebody an awful lot of money to separate it all. Separate it manually. And I also, yeah. and I told this story today, um, there used to be a big uh, bottle bank where I lived in Scotland, and they had three separate sections, apparently, for brown, white, and green glass. I used all of them because I'm an equal opportunity wine drinker. Um, and I saw them collect it one time, and they just tipped the whole thing into the back, into of, one a, place. Into yeah. the back of a skip. Yeah. 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 So there weren't three containers at all. They just wanted you to think there were. There is one important mm. thing in politics, though, which is optics. And I guess the, the point is, despite behind the scenes, we all agree that some of this stuff you know, isn't as valid as perhaps it might be or should be. But if the Prime Minister can't get the optics right on flying around the world, despite what he's saying about the environment, if he can't get the optics right on recycling, I mean, there's no hope, is there? Because if you can't get the optics right, do we have any faith, and I guess we don't, I don't, in Boris Johnson actually being able to form vision, policy and strategy? Maybe this is why we're in the mess we're in. Sorry. Can you just say that exactly. again? <laughs> yeah, I know, exactly. I know. Vision, strategy, what? If Boris is watching this, he'll be rewinding this. Now. <laughs> well, vision, vision, strategy, vision, execution. Strategy. But everything you're just saying, British farmers should be really angry with, with Boris Johnson mm. um, uh, about his attitude towards meat. I mean, we, we produce most of our own meat. It's mainly grass-fed, mm. lives outside. I think British farmers should be up in arms about... Animal rebellion, mm. scaling DEFRA, and and Boris Johnson telling us we should be plant based, and this nudge unit report coming out saying we should be plant based. Yeah. Well, like this report that came out from Waitrose today, of all places, saying that uh, oh, quite a lot of people are now going five and two, which means five days a week vegan and two days at the weekends. I've done that. You know, um, really? So maybe yeah. the, maybe this report's correct. Why have you done it? No, I did it for health reasons, nothing to do with the environment. Really? <laughs> well, did you feel any better? Yeah, um, you yes. Don't, you don't actually, look any better. It, it might have been a oh, thanks. It might have been a placebo, of course. <laughs> but no, no, I was I was I was somewhat concerned having watched that thing on Netflix. Um, the name escapes me now. Oh, tell me you didn't watch Game Changers. Game Changers, yeah. Okay. We'll, talk, just... we'll talk later. Okay, you can you can turn me around the other way. Have you watched Sea Spiracy? Because that'll make you give up no, fish no, as well. No, I haven't. No, I haven't. No, I'd, but where I got to was balance. So eating far too much meat, not eating you know enough of the right things, let's balance it and, and now yeah. actually make a conscientious effort to, meet, to eat more plant-based stuff and less meat. So I'd never cut out meat altogether. Yeah. But my point is it wasn't about the environment. It was more of uh, a case of trying to live a bit longer. Okay. Really. Well, I think you've lived long enough, to be honest. Um, <laughs> but anyway, listen, we've only got another half an hour. Um, well, I'm going to go... It's my turn, isn't it? Tesco's. Um, Tesco's, one of the great um, uh, shops that I used to use an awful lot, but I stopped using. You know, when I stopped using them, and I used to get deliveries from Tesco's, right? And I lived three storeys up uh, in a house, a place in London. And uh, I got a phone call one day when I was expecting a delivery from Tesco's. Uh, the guy was um, on his phone saying, oh, I've got your delivery here. I said, where are you? He said, I'm on the second floor. I said, that's good. I said, I'm on the third floor. He said, yeah, I can't go any higher. I said, <laughs> well, lack of oxygen. Because if you go, <laughs> apparently, there's two entrances. It's complicated, this. But if you come in at the bottom entrance, technically the second floor is actually the third floor. He claims, this guy, that they've, they've got nothing in their regulations that means that they have to go anywhere above the third floor unless by special arrangement. And I said, well, if you'd come in the right door, you would have come up three floors and been with me. And he went, well, I'm sorry, I'm, you're going to have to come down and get it. And I went, no, I'm sorry, you're going to have to take it all away again. And he went, what? I said, I don't want it. Take it away. I said, I want somebody to bring it to my door, not to the floor below my door. Otherwise, it's not really delivery, is it? So we had to take it away. So I never ordered from them again. Today, they're being planked by me because they put out um, uh, an advert for Christmas, half-priced toys and games with club card prices. Get ready for the gifting season. Oh, 
it sounds so festive, so The gifting season. Well, this is because it's Christmas has been cancelled. Sorry, when does the gifting season begin? Is it part of Christmas? Is it part of Guy Fawkes Night? Well, this is Halloween? Unit thing, this nudge unit thing's really working then, isn't hmm? it? So Tesco's are obviously listening because they realise that Christmas has indeed been cancelled and now we're left with no Christmas and gifting. But season. why is it that Christmas is the one that falls by the wayside? Because all other religious holidays, you know, Hanukkah... Um, you know, Eid. Mm -hmm. They don't change the names of those holidays, do they? No, but they also don't have the same amount of commercial welly behind them because no. there are fewer people buying gifts for Eid True. than after Christmas. Not that I'm supporting this at all. But I don't know I anyone really right, miserable. who doesn't call it Christmas. And I include in that Hindus, Muslims, yeah. Jews, Jewish people that I know. I, mean, yeah. I don't know anyone who doesn't call it Christmas. Yeah. Mm. They yeah. call it Christmas. Everyone celebrates it and, you know, not, not necessarily the religious context, but the celebration and the present giving right. and the family thing and so on. That's what it is. It's I mean, a what are they going to call Christmas though? We're closed on... Uh, uh, the 25th. Well, what happens to it's, Easter next, I wonder? That presumably also has to the be chocolate cancelled. season. Chocolate no, season. No. But, I, yeah. it, you know, it's really, it's really annoying because it's like this idea that Christmas can be cancelled mm. as well. It all feeds into the same thing. It's a cultural and religious festival that we, our families and ancestors, have celebrated yeah. for thousands of years. Yes. And renaming it or cancelling it is just a bit of a joke. Because um, of some woke board members, no doubt. Yeah, we better not offend anyone. They're all terrified of offending people who aren't actually offended. Yes. There's nobody offended yeah. by calling it Christmas, is yeah. there? Yeah, no, absolutely not. Well, Paul Skulls needs some toenail clippers for the gifting season. There we are. Yeah. Now you see, this is, she's getting it. She's getting it. She's only yeah. been on it once, but already she's linking up the planks. <laughs> yeah. there you Very go. good. Right, who's your third one? <laughs> oh, my third one. Okay, um, I'm going to go for Oxfam. Okay. Because they have withdrawn a game from sale because of unspecified concerns oh, yes. by activists. Mm. It's a game of, like, woman bingo. I mean, Wonder that doesn't sound, in and of bingo. itself, it doesn't sound like a very politically correct game. Woman bingo, does it? I mean, it, No, 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 no. You know I mean? It sounds it's like something not... you and I would have played about 20 years ago. <laughs> it's, actually, it's not that game. Yeah, number 17. It's, it's not... <laughs> It's not All that sorts of game. things I want to say, but and, I normally can't. Um, you should. It's, it's not even called that. It's Wonder Woman something. Look, it's a card game right. of, where each card is an inspirational woman. You've got Rosa Parks, Jane Austen, um, Marie Curie, yes. J.K. Rowling. Yes, so it's okay. a celebration okay. of women. It's a celebration of women. And their achievements. And their yeah. achievements. Yeah. But some, no longer, not some sounds of it. transgender activists said to Oxfam they should withdraw it because it wasn't respecting uh, the rights of all people. Mm. And it's caused a bit of a backlash. I mean, there are Oxfam staff, female staff, who are saying they're going to resign over it. And it just feels like it's a little bit of a miserly attack on the word yes. woman and women's achievements. As if women's achievements can't be trumpeted or can't be publicised because of some, again, they're women. imagined offence that it might cause. How could it possibly cause offence to anyone? But they didn't even explain what their concerns are. So mm. we're left to play a guessing game. Yeah. Guessing game, bingo. Is it because J.K. Rowling's in there because she's been accused of transphobia? Yes. Is it because it's about women, not people who identify as women yeah. and non-binary identities? Is it because it had a card for the... Uh, there was an actress who was called Ellen Page, who's now called Elliot Page. Oh. But she's in there as Ellen Page. Is that We're just left to wonder what caused mm. offence. And the reason I find it particularly toothless from Oxfam is they've played a game of top trumps here. They've decided that the the rights and the feelings of people who can't even express their concerns trump the rights of little girls and women to buy an inspirational yeah. car game. And, and their female staff are offended by it. And this is Haiti, who had senior officials buying sex from vulnerable well, women in say, Haiti just always, a few years ago. They always stood up for women so much uh, in really. Haiti. Or indeed in, uh, in Africa, where the guy who was responsible yeah. for the prostitution ring in Haiti was then sent 
so Congo. they could do the same thing in Congo. Congo. Yeah, unbelievable. Exactly. Well, an awful lot of people have left um, Oxfam altogether now. A lot of people I've seen on social media have said, "That's it. We're not giving them any more money." And they've lost an awful lot of money in the past because of the sex mm. scandal. Now they're losing even more. Can I be cynical just mm. for a sec? Mm. Do you think some of these businesses and they're very clever PR agencies, and I say that because that's a, a, the background I come from, that a bit like the Iceland CEO a few weeks ago in the wake of the HGV driver shortage and the fuel shortage said, don't all storm Iceland and start trying to, you know, come and get your frozen volivants because we'll run out kind of right. thing. In other words, the signal being, please come and storm yes. Iceland and, you know, mm. run us uh, drive shelves. Do you think maybe there's a possibility that the clever people at Oxfam have thought, well, if we do this, what then happens is the BBC, talk radio, ITV, Sky, and all the national newspapers, and Plank of the Week, of course, start talking about Oxfam, like we've just done? I don't think think, one, they're that clever. Also, two, I think organisations like Oxfam would rather the media wasn't actually looking at what they're doing. Some of these things are so preposterous and so meaningless in terms of the gesture. Yeah, but you have to remember... No, Russell, this kind of preposterous thing is going on all the time. For instance, not talking about women going for cervical screenings, but people with cervixes. This goes on all the time. Mm. And I think it would be a massive own goal for them to do this deliberately just to create yeah. column inches and airtime. Also, you've got to remember... Because they're a charity. I mean, this really affects how people feel about their brand in a very negative yeah. I'm just way. a cynical PR person. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> but, but the thing is, right, that you because you don't inhabit their world, you don't realise that in their world, this is completely normal behaviour. This yeah. is the kind of thing they do all yeah, the time. Yeah. And because they only talk to one another, mm. they think this is a great idea. They think that this is absolutely what they should be doing. Mm. And isn't it ridiculous that all these people don't understand why they've done such a good thing? I blame the BBC. It's where all this claptrap came well, from Well, BBC, first every university university in the country, you know, yeah. all the places Metropolitan where this police. nonsense is being is yeah. being trotted out mm. so that people actually believe it. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, it's becoming normalised. That's, mm. the, that's the scary thing. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Who's your third? Uh, my third is, um, for so many reasons, uh, the Labour Party. Oh, yes. Um, first of all, because of their insistence in a very opportunistic way, typical of Keir Starmer, really, uh, anticipating what's probably going to happen rather than actually wanting it as a policy. Mm. Um, their advocacy of Plan B. Yeah. Uh, plan B, of course, which is we'll start working from home again, yawn, 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 we'll start wearing masks again. Yawn, well, they'll wear them anyway, don't and they? Of except course, for when they're at their own party conference. Yeah, and of course, advocates of vaccine passports, which of course have worked so well well in Wales, which has one of the highest COVID rates in the Western world. Um, We all now know, and thanks to Boris saying something quite sensible on this this week, the the vaccination itself, being double-jabbed, triple-jabbed even in the future, uh, will not prevent infection, will not prevent transmission. Mm. So therefore, what is the point of the vaccine passport? Um, But but Labour now... We have to change the the, the word transmission, by the way, at some point, in case the trans lobby says that... You know, stolen right. by words. Yeah, right. Transmission. Three, three months' time, we'll be talking about this on yeah. the show. Um, so, so they're planks because of that, yeah. um, but they're also planks because they can't even get their. They can't even be joined up in terms of their own decisions on policies on on tax. Mm. So this week we've had Rachel Reeves uh, talking about the fact that. Uh, taxes on energy should be slashed because, and isn't it odd to hear the Labour Party talking yeah. about reducing taxes? I know the world's gone mad. And two or three weeks ago, Ed Miliband, who's her cabinet, her shadow cabinet colleague, right. talking about the fact that taxes on energy should increase. So you've got two members of the shadow cabinet right. within two or three weeks of each mm. other, one saying that energy taxes should come down and one saying that energy taxes should go up. Yep. What an absolute mess. Sounds about par for the course. And also, uh, typically, uh, Billy Bragg uh, tweeted out uh, this week as well, just to, just to add insult to injury. Because he helps. Yeah. No, not because anybody asked him, but he went to some cafe or other somewhere in London and he went, people keep looking at me because I'm putting a mask on and wearing a mask when I'm going into a cafe. I'll tell you why I'm wearing a mask. It's so nobody thinks I'm a bloody Tory. Yeah. Nobody's, <laughs> nobody's going to think 
Billy Bragg is a Tory. Even if they really? did think you were a Tory, <laughs> if you had the moment mask on, they'd know you were Billy Bragg. So I don't think anybody's in any doubt about his politics, are they? No, no exactly, <laughs> exactly. But that's that's actually one really, un, you know, really unfortunate thing about masks. They haven't been based in sound evidence, and they've become a partisan virtue signal. Yeah. Like you see, like, like you said, Labour didn't wear them at their party conference, but mm. they're all sitting there in Parliament wearing their masks and the Conservatives aren't. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. Mm. So it shouldn't mad. be a political issue. It really shouldn't. But again, back to the same people that we were talking about. They mm. want to wear a mask, they want to work from home, they want to stay in the European Union. It's all the same old stuff. You yeah. know. Right. But it's, it's a joke. I've got to say something about the working from home thing, because this gets me really incensed. What they mean is half the population stay at home while they're serviced by the other half who are out working. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody's got to be packing those those boxes oh, yeah. during gifting oh, no, season. Oh no, nobody should Tesco be working at all, apart from the people bringing me all my stuff. Mm. But they haven't stopped to think about what happens to other aspects of the economy that suffer if we all work from home. So transport systems, yeah. cafes, restaurants, exactly. news agents, shops, and so on um, that we all, you know, we all use and uh, you know enjoy when we're out going to work and from. Mm. Uh, you know, the drink after work and all the rest of yeah. it, all of that stuff just gets devastated. You know, we saw that in the city of yeah. London six, seven, eight, well, nine months ago. Well, a lot of bars haven't reopened. Yeah, exactly, all closed, you yeah. know, and some of them won't recover. But there was an epidemiologist from the UK HSA who tweeted in the last week that we need to move into Plan B immediately, including working from home, and she could see no economic impact in doing so. Mm. I thought this is why epidemiologists should not be setting policy. No. Because she can't see any, any economic no. impact. No, well, because it's not their job, us, unfortunately, to look at right. the economic implications. Oh, not but, even but, think about zero Contract yeah. hours, but people. what do these people think happens then in the winter of 2022 and the winter of 2023? I mean, just we just literally go into the same mode. You know, as soon as the clocks go back, I yeah. guess, what do we do? We'll, well just let's put, somebody, home, somebody pointed out to off. me, the other thing that happens is that you get the kind of problems we've got in the supply chain because everything stopped for a while. So it doesn't matter yeah. when you restart yeah, the problems it, now. There will be problems yeah. afterwards down the road when you start to run out of stuff. Absolutely. It's simple. Yeah. Anyway, uh, my final one, Eurotunnel, talking about the EU. Some people still want to go to the EU. Uh, I'm one of them, actually. Oh, I yeah. quite like the Eurotunnel. I've just been. Um, but the place. trouble is, right, whenever it breaks down, it always breaks down horrendously badly. Oh. And this was the first weekend of half term. So for a lot of people, it was the first opportunity to go away. I mean, I'm happy, happening to arrange to go away for Christmas, but if we hadn't, we would have gone away mm. in half term, mid-October, because we didn't really do it in the summer, right? So a lot of people, for the first time, going abroad, seven hours delayed on the M20. Can you imagine sitting? I mean, this has nothing to do with lorries stacking, nothing to do with uh, Brexit, everything to do with the Eurotunnel having a problem with its uh, overhead wiring. Oh. And you just think, Jesus, really? How was this not anticipated? How was you had it? One and also, job. also, how is it that they can't get around it somehow? Mm. I mean, they've, they've got two tunnels, I think, haven't they? Yeah. So if they've got a problem in one of the tunnels, shouldn't they be able to get people through the other tunnel? Yeah. Was anybody trapped inside? Well, there were people because at one point they had to evacuate one of the trains. Now, I don't know if you've ever been on it. It's the one with the cars. Yeah, I've, I've been on, about, and this right? would be my fear yeah. to be in there when it breaks down. It's like one of those horror movies, isn't it? It is. Because and I'm not, I'm not even claustrophobic. It's just a horror I'm, idea. I, I'm, I'm like a ferry you. person. Yeah, not I like a, a ferry. Person. I like a ferry. And also, why is it so slow? You know, you sit there and they keep making these ridiculous announcements and lights are flashing at you and you feel like you're in a horror film and somebody's going to come through the door with a meat cleaver or something, you know. Well, I do, anyway. You and make going, it sound so nice you not go a bit quicker? Holiday. But it's horrible. It's like you're sitting in a tin can, yeah, you know. For too yeah. long. Surely they could let you out of the car, oh. go and have a drink, mm. even if it's a coffee, you know. 
It's a shame for all those people then who might have been going on a on a longed-for holiday to have that delay, well, especially if you're going given... away for a weekend or something. Well, that's that's if you're going away for a weekend, awful. seven hours on the M20, right? So that yeah. was your first day gone. And then it didn't stop there. That was on Saturday. Then on Sunday, they were still seven hours. And I think Monday, it was down to five hours. Well, given that it's a, it's a mm. collaboration with France, we should just count our lucky stars, really, that it actually works on a Friday afternoon and a Saturday and a Sunday. And, 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 and all the way through morning. August. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Absolutely horrendous. Right. Well, I'm going to carry over... You mentioned the uh, Animal Rebellion lot. I'm carrying over Insulate Britain. There's always carry one over. We've okay. got nine and we have to have ten. Insulate Britain for the very one, if only for one reason, the bloke who um, superglued his face to the, to the road down at Liverpool Street and another bloke <laughs> who, who superglued his feet to the, to the tarmac. You just yeah. think, what's wrong with these people? I know. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> it's just, just And you know they've now, declared, they've now declared the M25 to be an, air, an area of civil battle. Civil for the rest of time. Battle. They basically say, we don't care about your injunctions. So they're going to now... I mean, somebody's going to have to do something properly well, it's pretty obvious what, what was going to happen. So they, they were invading the M25. The government got the injunction, which only covered the M25. And, of course, what do, Extinction, what do Insulate Britain then do? They then start parading around and blockading other roads elsewhere and goodness knows what else. Um, so, yeah, look, the, the, the problem is just kind of moving and the government, as ever, are kind of two or three mm. steps behind. Yeah. Um, I think now there's an injunction, I think, on all major roads. They've now got loads roads, of injunctions, but they don't work. infrastructure of all kinds. They don't work. But, well, the police still seem to be standing by letting them do it. Yeah. I know, shocking. You know, um, someone said the other day, well, you know, they should be, um, they should be fined. And I'm thinking, well, there's no point fining the unemployed, is there? Because well, some of them have got big houses. I think you just you take, would... take everything they've got, take all their property, stick them in but prison. But the law's already there. But we, we have laws already to deal with this. The existing, don't be careful well, not of what really. you wish for. Be not careful really. of unintended consequences. We do, we do have laws to deal. Yeah, but I with... want specific laws to deal with these nutcases <laughs> because they're ruining. The, the, the transportation system of this country. Yep. And, then, and they're abusing the, the law of protest and, and therefore they need special... Treatment. And their cause is nothing to do with insulating Britain. They're no. anarchists. They're causing trouble. Yeah. They want to see the overthrow of all government. That's yeah. what they are. Okay. They, we, we know that, don't we? We do. Now, we're going to stop because uh, we now have to see who is going to become Plank of the Week. Laura, why don't you pick your favourite one of Russell's and we'll start with him. Uh, recap. Recap your yeah, three. The Art Institute of Chicago yeah. for sacking all of their uh, volunteers. Boris Johnson for multiple reasons. And the Labour Party for multiple reasons. I'm going to go for the Art Institute. Mm-hmm. Because I, I that's feel good because that's quite unusual, isn't it? It's mm. unusual, so kudos. It's it's unusual, and you know, adding a new like highbrow element to the show, which is very good. <laughs> which is like me. I can, <laughs> um... That's not what we get him in for, to be honest. Yeah. It's from Essex. I'm an estate agent from Essex. <laughs> what do I know about culture? <laughs> I, I, I think it's it's actually quite a poignant one because um, if people have volunteered their time to an institution, and, and that is public service. Yep. To be sacked is um, ungrateful uh, and it's rude. Um, and well, now they've got to replace all those volunteers with the right people. Well, people being discarded for their skin colour and race. I mean, I think history's taught I us, mean, that's it, racist, that, that isn't shouldn't it? happen. Isn't that racist? <laughs> Treating Sorry? people differently on the basis of their race is racism. Yeah. So maybe it's a type of racism. I, I just think basically it's very poor manners. It's, it's lawful racism, unfortunately. Yeah. It's, it's, it's allowed. It seems it? incredible. It's I suppose because they're not actually employed, you can do it. Because they're, you know, if they were employed, it might be difficult. Now, mm. um, I know already, I think, who I'm going to choose of your three. But why not, why not give us the three anyway? Okay, so... Um, 
Um, my three were the nudge unit mm. en masse yes. for coming up with the Save Christmas messaging last year, which is being peddled again, uh, Save Gifting Season, and uh, for publishing a report which is full of hair short shirts about the environment and then unpublishing it because they shouldn't have put that out there. <laughs> very embarrassing. That is a very good one. Um, and the third one is Oxfam for uh, being toothless and giving in to unspecified concerns about a game which was about inspirational women. Right. Well, I'm going to go to the one you didn't mention there, which is Jacinda Ardern. Oh, Jacinda, Jacinda Ardern. Ardern. <laughs> Sorry. That's all right. And actually, she's who I'd pick. So the one I left off is my top. Yes. And so we've luckily... See how luckily, you did that. See, how, <laughs> see, you actually did your own version of the nudge unit there, didn't you? You deliberately yeah. left it off. There's uh, a special name for works. this. She very I clever, this woman. I tell you that, yeah. you know. Yeah. Absolutely. Did I nudge you? You did. Yeah. She now thinks it was his idea. So, you've, yeah. you've picked the one I wanted. Yeah. Good. Jacinda Ardern. But the nudge unit, very good as well. Uh, now, these will all appear in the top three, but to pick the third one, you need to pick one of these. Yeah. Uh, Eurotunnel, mm -hmm. Paul Skulls, mm -hmm. or Tesco? Mm -hmm. Paul Skulls. Tesco. That's Paul Skulls, yeah. And I think Paul Skulls. We're going to have to battle this out, really? Yeah, no, I do. Look, I know it's very lowbrow, but doing it is one thing. Your daughter Filming thinking it. it's okay <laughs> to film it and then hitting publish. Yeah. Come on, you've got to be... And, putting, fact, and then it's, writing it's, true love on it. Yeah, so it's you not actually, just Paul you actually looked plank. at it again to yeah. write something on it. It's not just Paul Skulls is the plan. Sure? It's okay, the whole Skulls family, surely. And, and bearing in mind, this is a footballer, sorry, that comes from years and years and years of dressing room banter. You know, you know that if you get a puncture on your car or, you know, you forget your wallet, you're going to get absolutely slated by your team members. Sucking your daughter's toes and pretending to bite her nails. Well, I think it's up there. I really do. <laughs> oh, I it is, and I've, I've got a feeling I'm outvoted, and you have sold Paul Skulls as Plank of the Week really well. Well, but he hasn't I'm, won it yet, though. But he hasn't won it, because no. no. let me make my case. Because, well, this is it. I mean, all he she's is... difficult, is, isn't she? Of course she's difficult. She's difficult. That's why we like her. <laughs> Yeah. Just, I like just difficult believe women. in debate. But of course, that if you called Meghan Markle that, you'd be told that you were one racist and also two sexist. I'd be cancelled. Difficult women. I'd be cancelled. Right. I'm that far away from being so, cancelled. So, I, I think ladies, Ardern, ladies first, I should, I should choose. No, Jacinda Tesco. Ardern, um, Paul Skulls and the Art Institute. Oh, sorry. You, you I, think, I think t Tesco should be his top okay. one. Because <laughs> but you can't tell him which one to pick, <laughs> no, though. No, can't. I, I get the, to pick mine. The, he gets oh, to pick his. Oh, you get to pick yours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you picked mine. Yeah, and you picked his. Yeah. So it's democratic. Remember? You've forgotten that bit, haven't I you? I think I'm being totally swizzled here. No, not at all. It's Wait, democracy. No, no, I was going to make a terrible joke there. I'm not going to make it. Um, <laughs> okay. Now, uh, we've only got about a minute left, right? So we have to decide. Jacinda Ardern, Paul Scholes, Art Institute of Chicago. Who wins it? Because Ooh. the other two will come second and third, and we can agree on that. Which, uh, well, it depends how serious we want to be, because the New Zealand Prime Minister, mm. that's that's a really serious, yeah. scary yes. thing to impart okay. and believe. Okay. So she gets my vote. Right. Yeah, I, me too, because really? she just okay. looked um, really creepy, psychopathic, mm -hmm. and honestly, I'm scared for the people of New Zealand yes. that yeah, she's what's she Prime do next? Minister. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, Exactly. When when this is when this when this weapons. is over, she whimpers and crosses yeah. her fingers. What is she going to do but next? This is what these people want, right? They don't want there to be any more elections ever. Oh, we can't have any elections because of COVID. Of not, yeah. So I'll just stay in charge, shall I? That's what they like, I think. I agree. I think Jacinda Ardern wins yeah. it. Uh, Art Institute of Chicago third, uh, Paul Skull second. So well done, Jacinda. Don't talk to your neighbours. <laughs> Uh, Jacinda Ardern wins Plank of the Week. So thanks very much to my two guests, Laura Dosworth and Russell Quirk. A great show, I have to say. Uh, we'll see you next time.